Hi, everyone, and welcome to mini episode number five of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Mini episodes of Attendance Bias feature a breakdown of a single song or a single jam from a show that I've attended. I'll give a little background about what makes that song or that jam so special to me, and then we dive right into it. These mini-episodes are posted on a bi-weekly basis in between full episodes of Attendance Bias, where a guest and I will go over a full fish show. Today's mini-episode features Fish's version of 2001 from August 11, 2004 at the Greatwood Center for the Performing Arts in Mansfield, Massachusetts, although at that time it was known as the Tweeter Center, it's always Greatwoods. This was the second of two nights at the favorite outdoor New England venue, and it was the second to last night of Fish's final summer tour, we thought at the time, before the infamous Coventry Festival. Up to this point in the final run, I was somewhat disillusioned because before the tour began, a local Syracuse newspaper, the Post Standard, on May 24th, 2004, there was a quote from John Fishman who said, quote, we're going to play our hearts out on this tour. When I read that quote, I thought that the upcoming tour would be the band at their absolute best. I thought they would bust out old rarities. I thought they would have special guests. I thought they would play all-time jams, maybe even a Game Henge set, maybe. You know, everything and anything, because it would be the last chance for something special. And unless I use the word special in its most flexible meaning, it wasn't. Until this show at Greatwoods, where we find today's version of 2001. The summer of 2004 was a rough time for the fish world, to put it mildly. For any fans whose only experience of fish is from 2009 forward, it's really hard. It is genuinely difficult to picture how sketchy, cynical, and straight-up dangerous things could be. I've said in previous episodes that in 2003, things began to get a little rough around the edges in the fish scene. By summer 2004, you didn't have to go to the edges or the outskirts of the lot to find a little bit of danger. It wasn't unusual if you had to sidestep unconscious fans or if you heard constant vomiting and gibberish on the way in or on the way out, or even to see violence and not even minor violence, some really big time brawls or fights for what I assumed at the time would probably be a deal gone bad. Just remember that the late 90s and the early 2000s were when designer drugs and pharmaceuticals became the drug of choice, which, in my opinion, was pretty harshly at odds with the more natural and traditional psychedelics that I associated with the scene. It became obvious that hundreds or probably thousands of people were there for the party, not for the music. And at big venues like SPAC, where the parking lot almost never ended, It would be thousands of people who looked like they had no intention of going into the show or even enjoying the music from a tangential level. They were just there. And at the time, I was 21 years old. I was in my prime of partying, going to after shows, staying out late, or ingesting things. Fish shows are where I felt the most comfortable. A show is my second home, but this scene was well out of my comfort zone. And forgetting the scene for a moment, the music was mostly lost on me too. Before Coventry, I went to the shows in Brooklyn, SPAC, these shows at Greatwoods, and Camden before heading up to Coventry. 
In retrospect, there are obviously musical highlights to appreciate, especially in Saratoga, but at the time, the venues were so overpacked, they were so dense, and they were so grimy because of the crowd that my friends and I usually ended up either right in the middle of the lawn or all the way in the back at any given venue. In Brooklyn, we were in the stands pretty close to the top. And in all of these places, the sound wasn't very good. As a result of where we were, plus the band style at the time, uh, they would usually play a lot of dissonant, washy soundscapes before eventually reaching a peak. And for where I was at the time, I just couldn't make sense of it. I straight up did not enjoy it in most cases. And most of what I saw was skinny, pale, zoned out Trey playing with his guitar pedals while staring out into the void with an occasional coherent jam springing forth every once in a while. It was really disheartening to be there. And now you add to the scene what I described before, and I started feeling like I was going to these shows on a wing and a prayer that they would resemble the fish that I had grown to love without really connecting that well, they're not that band anymore. I remember thinking after night one of Great Woods that if this was the best of what Fish had to offer, then it's the right thing to do for them to call it quits. I wasn't even sad anymore because of what was coming. I just came to terms with it because of how they were playing and what they were playing. But the second night of Great Woods, from which this 2001 is from, It was like a reset button. It opened with Divided Sky, and it only got better from there. They were collected. They sounded focused. They were fun, and I think they were sober. I loved this entire show. It made me think that if they could break out a show like this out of nowhere, then there was hope for the next night in Camden and then Coventry afterward. The jam of the night, for my taste, is this 2001. It's really short. It's only about nine and a half minutes. But it convinced me that the band still had their fastball. The 2001 drumbeat forms right out of the ashes of a pretty wild run like an antelope. As usual, Paige is on his Wurlitzer, Mike is playing his traditional part over the Fishman beat, and Trey is playing some jazzy riffs. And it hit me, he's uncharacteristically delicate here for the time period. You could hear that he has his unpolished or uncompressed tone that would be the case for much of 2004 his tone was a bit jarring at times throughout the summer and throughout the year but he uses it really well here to combine with these jazz licks And 
and after laying pretty low in the mix, Trey slowly begins to form melodies, almost like a solo call and response that the crowd immediately responds to. There's some swagger to this, and that's what I missed from the fish that I loved. For most of the summer, Trey's parts were mostly washes of sound that didn't make sense to me. These call and response riffs back and forth, it was something that I could grab onto and enjoy. Soon enough, they get to the usual 2001 chorus, and Fishman is especially aggressive on his snare drum. Not only is he nailing it and playing really hard, physically speaking, but he's also trying flams instead of normal drum strokes. I'd never heard him do this before in 2001. He definitely had a thing for his snare drum that night, since at the beginning of the show, he took a snare drum solo at Susie Greenberg. A little after five minutes in, Mike turns on what I'm guessing is his meatball flanger. It sounds a lot like that wet bass sound in Down With Disease. And Trey picks out this minor but still present staccato riff that I immediately loved. It would form the backbone of the whole jam moving forward. And what takes this jam from the band simply finding a cool groove, what takes it to the next level is Fishman realizing that at some points, less is more. At a perfectly timed spot, he drops out entirely, while the rest of the band goes on uninterrupted. And it just goes to show how talented these guys are, that even though the drummer is the traditional timekeeper in rock music, the band is entirely in sync when he decides, without warning, to just drop out. I remember dancing my ass off on the lawn at this point, and Kuroda was shining circular white lights. It was a real trip. It's one of my best memories. Thank you. 
And once they've established this cool stop-start sequence, Fishman starts playing around by cutting it in half, then joining back in, dropping out again, until they're done with it entirely and they're ready to move on. Or so you think, when they pick it up again and then drop it again. Right after that, they wrap up the song with another 2001 chorus that put a neat bow on this sequence before moving on to Golgi Apparatus. And then the more goofy part of the show moved on. Uh, It featured an audience member joining the band for an impromptu cover of Smokey Robinson's Tears of a Clown. The band voted on whether or not a Fishman song makes or breaks a show. I think Mike said that on a scale of two to three, he gives it a three. So his approval. Paige says, sometimes you wonder. And Trey pretended to throw his guitar into the audience, infamously saying, won't be needing this anymore. And Trey and Fishman shared a drum solo into Timber Ho. It was great. Once the show is over, the Great Woods parking lot is notoriously slow in moving after a show. But honestly, I was so jazzed by this show that I didn't even notice. I was rejuvenated. It literally felt like someone hit a reset button for my expectations. The show reaffirmed my faith that this was all worth it, that Camden and Coventry would be the shows of a lifetime. It didn't quite pan out that way, as we all know, but this show was enough to reverse my pessimism from the summer. For years after Coventry, I would call this the last great fish show. I'm obviously thrilled that this turned out not to be the case, but it really felt like it at the time, and this 2001, for me, was the main reason why. Next week on Attendance Bias, my guest is Dave Lutz, Professor of Environmental Studies at Dartmouth College. Dave chose a monster of a show, July 18th, 1999, which you may recognize as Day 2 of the Camp Oswego Festival. There was so much to discuss and so many musical highlights to go over that the episode is divided into two parts. So next week is the second day of Oswego, Part 1, and Part 2 will air the following week. Thank you so much for joining me today for the fifth mini episode of Attendance Bias, and I hope that you tune in for next week's show. I'm Brian Weinstein, and thank you again for listening to Attendance Bias. Attendance Bias.